Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Builder Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Builder Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Builder Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Builder Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. We are super excited to announce that we have our fourth Contractor Coalition Summit happening in Austin, Texas this fall. Come out and visit with us on September 14th. Conference will end on Sunday, September 17th. We're going to have an amazing collection of builders all throughout the country. Some amazing vendors will be there in support. We're also going to have a session on construction instruction with Mark LaLiberté, which is going to be part of the summit. Just amazing content, networking, ways that all of us can enhance our brand, our product, and especially our organization looking down to the very core of who we are as builders and how we're operating to make sure that we're operating at the highest level, the camaraderie and the knowledge shared between all the builders, the teachers that come to instruct are super valuable. So make sure you sign up for the Contractor Coalition Summit. Again, whether you're a new company just starting out in your first couple of weeks of business or you're a seasoned company, there's going to be plenty of information, super valuable to attend. So we'll see you in Austin. Whenever you deviate from your process or say, yes, I'm going to get this for you or yes, I can do this. Those are always the projects that go south because you've deviated from those processes that you've set. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. Very excited today. So we have Black Ink and Tears on. We have Jenny Slingerlin, who's, she is the owner and principal designer. And we have Ben, who is the COO, which um, just before we got on, I understand he was employee of the month. So after five years with the company, got a pair of Jordans. That's his compensation. That's right. That's right. That's right. Are you hiring? Jordan 3s, are you hiring? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. No, seriously. <laughs> she she had to uh, she had to uh, go to great lengths to find me a pair. So yeah. appreciate it, boss. That's it. You well, that's got, awesome. You do stuff. what you got to do. You do what you got to do. Well, you have to retain talent, Jenny. You got to right. keep Ben right. on board. You got to retain him. Yeah. Yep. So, what is Black Ink? Black Ink Interiors is a luxury interior design firm. We focus on high-end, new build, remodel, and furnishing projects. We have some awesome projects here in the Valley, in the Phoenix Valley. We have a project in the Bahamas, a project in Southern California. So we will travel for for work and we're, um, we're blessed to have great clients right now and to just really be able to um, kind of, I don't want to say pick and choose, but to be more just, um, What's the word I'm looking for, uh, Ben? This is when you. This is why you're on the podcast to help fill in the missing words for me. Um, wh- where we can pick projects that align with sort of our core values and with the design that we like to do. Uh, I think I've been doing this long enough that I'm now in a place where I can pick the jobs that will bring me joy, 
because I know, and maybe you've been there too in the beginning where you say yes to everything. And then you, you, at some point you lose the joy in, in those projects. And so we're, we're blessed to be able to take on projects that bring us joy right now. So. I think it's interesting. It's there's definitely a point in everyone's career where you really feel the need to have to take jobs. I mean, it's just part of it, but you, you said something that's a little unique, I think to most guests is when you're speaking about the ideal client, which all of us Mm -hmm. are trying to find, you know, who's ideal client. And you're mentioning you have some great ones right now and you're traveling both of you, fortunately to do these amazing projects, but you made a comment, Jenny, you said, you said that align with our core values. Um, how important is that? without giving away all your core values. I mean, you can, if you want, but when you think about what some of your core values are at Black Ink Interiors, um, what are those and how do they align with some of the clients you have? Ben, do you want to speak to that? I feel like Ben is the author of our, our values. So I'll let him. Yeah. I think, think, uh, I mean, we have some, uh, some, uh, you know, one of ours, I'd say, um, kind of comes back from some corporate experience of mine, but it's around kind of mutuality or having a mutual relationship with not only your clients, but your your vendors or suppliers. And really the idea is that you you want to be in relationships where both parties ultimately benefit um, and succeed through that relationship. So our, our, our goal is not only obviously for us to run a business to all right, generate an income and you know support our families and those things, but it's also to create like amazing spaces that are unique and custom for our clients to the point where they, you know, they live in it every day. And, and, you know, a good example, we have a client that still, you know, reaches out to Jenny every once in a while. It's like, we sit, you know, whatever room they're in the house, they sit in the house and say, we can't believe this is our house, right? Like this, we can't believe that this is our space. And it's still mind blowing after a year of living in it, right? So that's what we want to create. And so um, there's there's a couple things there that, that, that make that happen. Being selective is not only in you know, the, the right kind of client, but it's also allowing really Jenny's ability to um, design freely in the way that brings her joy and that she knows um, it's, it's, I don't know how to describe this the best way, but like her particular style is different and unique and it's really uh, about personality. And, and uh, so I guess that's the thing is it's not only the client fit from like financial perspective or whatever, but it's, but it's really about, does the client love Jenny's style? And is that something Jenny can get behind and really enjoy working with? That's amazing. And I, I, what I really like that you said, Ben, is you made a comment, you said the mutual relationship, how important that is. I, we, we often correlate, you know, the building process, you as, de- as the design team, and you know, you're engaged with the client from pre-construction through construction, dealing with us builders, and then the client after, you know, furnishing the home. It's a really long relationship. And it's funny because you know, when you study like marriage, um, that, you know, they always say, well, what leads to divorce? You know, yeah, money and intimacy. I mean, there's a lot of things and this isn't the part of this podcast, but I think the important part of it is relationships. All, all these studies from psychologists always say that, uh, in a relationship that they've studied when one of the partners doesn't respect the other, right. When there's like a disrespect or they don't feel that they're at their level, um, whatever that may be, maybe hard work or, you know, um, intelligence, I don't know, whatever that is. If they, if, if, so if they don't feel that they're on the same level, that's always where the marriage breaks apart. And you look at the customer relationship. When you have customers that respect you, Jenny, you, Ben, mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs, as building a company and working really hard, and they respect that because maybe they've done that. Um, I find that those relationships are really unique when you have someone that respects you because whenever that respect turns the other way, I can mm-hmm. tell you this just as a builder, when clients don't respect us or the profession or what we're doing, it is really hard 
to salvage that relationship, yeah. make it an amicable deal. I mean, how's that been for you just from a design perspective? Um, it is, it is very tricky. And there are always times where, especially right now, I feel like in the furnishings where we have less control and, and you probably do with the builds too. And, and the delays in certain materials, or we're still dealing with the effects of COVID with the furniture lead times being longer than expected. And it's hard to give that news to somebody and especially somebody who, um, maybe that's not a good enough answer for them. And then it's sort of, I'm trying to do what I can on my end. They sort of see that, but at the same time, they really wanted the furniture in by Christmas, let's say, and we can't deliver on what we thought we could deliver. Um, Kind of at no fault of our own, but it is the nature of the beast right now. And it's, you know, we have a sit down meeting to try to realign and like, yes, things aren't going as planned, but like, let's sit down and talk about this and let's find a path of moving forward. And uh, we recently had that with a client for the example I just gave with the furniture delays and things like that. And it was just like, look, we're going to finish your project strong. We want to finish this. We want to, you know, make this, we want you to love your house at the end of the day. And I know that we can get there. It's going to look a little different than when we had all planned, but we're going to get there, have patience and let's, you know, understand we're trying to do all that we can, but I'm curious on the build side, how, how are you? Cause I know you probably are dealing with some of those same things and how do you handle that, that relationship? Because you're right. You know, some of these projects were on for two to three years and you can't run away, you know? Yeah. I think it's really interesting. And I was going to ask you probably similar. You're probably similar to me in the sense that I find myself, uh, trying to be more clear with the expectations, right? I think we're very aware of labor and material. And so in the sales process, just with the clients, they all have a desire. And so what I'm trying to do is break their heart on day one, as opposed to, (laughs) (laughs) you know, month 16. And what I mean by that is I've gone through this a few times where there's some, you know, clients are, whether it be a, a large renovation or it's a new build, I know from the beginning, there's some timelines that are important to them. You know, we're in Phoenix. And so there's a couple factors. It could be the season because they're like, Hey, mm-hmm. if I miss a season, this is big to me because they're from out of state. So it doesn't matter to them if I finish the home in June because it's summer, they don't want to be here. You know, right. they want it done for the holidays. They want it done in the spring when they can be yeah. here out of cold weather. So they look at it seasonal. Some of it could be, you know, in for Christmas or maybe a, a, a big event, you know, a wedding we've dealt with all these. And so what I found is now, instead of trying to be the hero, I'd rather be the villain from day one, just saying, Hey, look, I know, I just know where this is going to go. I know timing. We're not going to make it, but let's strategize and still try to make this up. And and I found it so much better that typically, you know, when I look back at, you know, the last say 20 clients that I've worked with, you know, the two that weren't great is because we tried to over deliver on something that we couldn't do. And, and it just came back to bite us. Even when you're trying to do a favor in the end, it doesn't work. No. And can I say yeah. to your point of doing favors, it kind of goes along with the lines we're talking about with um, client satisfaction. Whenever you deviate from your process or say, yes, I'm going to get this for you, or yes, I can do this, or it's a friend and they just want a little help. Those are always the projects that go south because you've deviated from those processes that you've set that you know are tried and true. But, you know, oh, this time and we'll just do it this once and it's a good friend or it's this client or, you know, we got to make this work. And those are always the ones I think that 
that will come back and, and bite you in the, you know what? Yeah. Well, and I, Jenny and I had a good conversation because we did, we did just have, you know, we had some great clients, but they're, you know, we had some difficulties with lead times and things is, you know, once you're a couple months into something, you know, when you find out lead times have changed and delays, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to then go back and have those conversations to say, Hey, we, we, we thought this, but this is what's really happening. And coming out of that conversation, just a recognition that also that, I think you said, it, Brad, that like the, the more you can communicate in the beginning that this is what it's going to look like um, and this is what you can expect, uh, the, the better the projects will be and the relationships will be because you, you'd rather give the bad news in the beginning than somewhere along the way, right, where they have other expectations. And so for us, it's like um, really uh, our process takes a long time and some of the stuff that we do is unique and custom um, down to, you know, selecting fabric from one vendor, shipping it to another vendor to, you know, to, to make a, a sectional or whatever. And, and whenever you do that, it just adds time, but the, the end result is amazing. And so ultimately what we, what we want to communicate when we try to communicate to our clients is be patient and wait, you know, be patient and wait for the design to be delivered because ultimately you'll get the best result when you can be patient. When you rush things, you end up getting, you know, products or, you know, materials that, you know, you didn't necessarily want or that aren't as, they, they couldn't have been as amazing if you just had the patience. And so the more we can communicate that up in the beginning, up front in the beginning, the better, because um, it allows us to deliver on the overall design instead of, you know, cutting corners to get stuff in quicker. It, it's interesting you say that, Ben, because I think, you know, when I just look at my personality, right, I think most people know me, I'm a, I'm a really optimistic person. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's some things where that can be a weakness, right? Because you could be too, a little too optimistic, or maybe sure. people may think it's a little salesy, but at the same token, you know, be an entrepreneur, you really have to be, you know, not just opportunistic, but you have to have a positive mindset and you have to be, um, you know, just glass is always half full kind of mentality, right? It's a, it's a really tough business, but What's interesting about that being the optimism side, I was sitting out with a client and they said, okay, Brad, this sounds great. You know, the sales pitch, your process, all this stuff with AFT, that's great. Um, when am I going to hate you during the build? When am I not going <laughs> to like you? And I thought that was interesting because I was like, I've never had a client ask that, you know, and it, it made me think a little bit about, yeah, there's going to be times that they're not happy in the build. And I always know what those are. We can kind of pinpoint those and it's always kind of similar aspects, you know, could be early on pre-con when we start. We have an estimated budget and the realistic of the cost, right? When we price it out and here's the market, it could be, you know, when the house is getting towards the final and you have everything masked off for final paint and it kind of looks messy, even though once that's off and cleaning, the house will look great. For you as a design team, furniture team, everything you're doing for this whole relationship, what would, the, what would you tell the clients when they say, okay, Jenny, Ben, this sounds great, but when am I not going to like you? Um, they're definitely not going to like us when we, they've paid us all the money and then there's nothing to show for it for six to eight <laughs> months. And they're just like, you have all of our money. We're destitute now. And we're, we have no couch to sit on. And you're like, I know. And we've even, we had a client that we sent a package and like a little care package. It had some ibuprofen, some other things in it. And it was like, you know, like now's the time the take of, you know, take two, you know, calls in the morning. Cause it's, it's hard and it's hard to deliver bad news. And like you said, you're optimistic. I'm a very much a people pleaser. And so I want to be able to to say it's going to be on this day and then it is on this day. I want to over deliver. I, and it's really hard and it's a little gut wrenching right now in, in the market to constantly have to be apologizing. And I hate it so much, but, um, it just, 
it just is. And I don't know when we'll get back to a place where parts aren't back ordered or fabrics back ordered, or it takes four to six weeks to ship it out here. You know, there's just so many different, um, there's so many different hands involved from the manufacturer to the shipping to all of the things. And, you know, I was talking to one of our vendors and just a custom piece of furniture. He said, we'll touch 30 to 40 hands just in their factory from the time of production to the time it finishes 30 to 40 hands. And you think about, you know, uh, the amount of time that that takes and how many times maybe something along there goes wrong or they need to, you know, whatever, but custom design, isn't like Ben said, it can't be rushed and the pro it always ends up better in the end if you're patient and you wait for good design and good quality pieces. Um, I think anybody can run to restoration hardware and just live out of a catalog, which to me is super sad, but you can, you know, but I, I think that you're not as happy in the end to have the same house that all your neighbors have. <laughs> so maybe speak to that for anyone that may not be as understanding um, or savvy as you both, right? When it comes to design and furnishings and what that means to have something custom fit for you, you know, of course, budget is a player, but let's take budget mm -hmm. out of it. Let's take costs out of it. When you're comparing something from a catalog, um, as opposed to doing something custom, you know, that's really mm -hmm. fit for them. What is the difference? What's the value? What's the opportunity, you know, for the client? Yeah, I think one, the, the number one thing that we see is quality. So, uh, twice a year, you've got High Point Market, you've got the Las Vegas Market, you have these different markets where we can go, we can sit in the product, we can hear the vendors telling us, this is eight way hand tied, we, you know, we have this foam core, and then we wrap it in a down and then this and then they t walk you through all the steps. I have a very hard time ever ordering retail because I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know who's making it. I don't know, you know, the length of travel that it's going to get to get here? Is it going to, is the wood going to split is, you know, what's going to happen. I don't know that those quick manufactured items in, in, I, I, well, I'll say China, but I mean, it, it can be anywhere really, but these items that are just mass produced, I don't, there's a loss of not only, I think, uh, quality and, but also just in, it just makes me sad to know that there are people who just put something into their home because it's quick and because it's easy um, without really giving that thought of what is my, what do I need to function? What is going to make me happy? Is there personality? Is there soul to this? Is this something that somebody lovingly made and, you know, handmade in North Carolina and it's being shipped to my family? Like, I love the story that comes with like true kind of custom design. And I think that's missed when it's just comes out of a catalog and, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry has, has what you have. And I know that's a bit of a tangent, but I just feel really strongly that good design is based around custom pieces made for your family. We take into account what the fabric is. Do you have three kids and two dogs? Then we're going to pick a performance fabric. Um, and are the vendors that we use, we have, hundreds and hundreds of options for each vendor that we use that we can pick to make sure that the color is right, that the, you know, it's a performance fabric, or is this going to be a beautiful silk chair that nobody's going to sit in, but it's going to be the sculptural piece in the corner. So a lot of love goes into the design. And I just feel like that's often lost with the retail component of yeah, that. I, Brad, one more thing to add to that, Jenny, I think there's an element too where Jenny and the team lay everything out in CAD. So they'll take a look at the space. Like if it's a if it's a great room or family room, they're going to take a look at that space and say, okay, 
we're going to custom design a sectional that actually fits perfectly into that room, right? So it's it takes into account the scale of the room, the heights of the ceilings, everything to make that piece of furniture actually fit in the space and not feel too small or too big. And so there's an element of planning that's technical to, to make sure the pieces are the right size for the space. And then the and really, I think in, in Jenny's real skill set is the personality component of it. Like, you know, the, the, the body of the fabric may be one color, then she's going to have a welt that's a different color that, you know, does you know, some fringe or some unique individual pillows. Like, rarely does she just stick with whatever pillows come with the, you know, come standard with the, the sectional or whatever. She'll actually, you know, order a very specific fabric that, you know, ties into the, uh, you know, into a chair in the room or something on some of their features. So everything's very thought out. It's very time intensive. And, that, and that's, I guess, the other piece I think clients are sometimes hate is when they realize and look at how much time goes into like one piece of furniture. Really, it's it's hours sometimes that goes into selecting one piece of furniture because that's how much detail um, and like unique personality Jenny's looking to, you know, put into each piece in the house to make sure that it really makes a statement. I love that because essentially what you're speaking of is lifestyle, right? I, you know, there's definitely a time and a place where people, you know, are, you know, starting their life, marriage, whatever it may be. But, but there comes a point, your ideal client, you're looking for someone that appreciates this lifestyle. I know we're both big on this. You know, I'm big on hiring interior designers. We've worked together and, you know, this is a big part of your brand as well. Um, case in point, I need to step up my game because I'm here for those watching on YouTube. I'm looking at, this is Jenny and Ben's first appearance on the podcast and the <laughs> backdrops are like, perfect. <laughs> I'm looking at mine. I'm like, I, I better fix mine up a little bit for the next episode. But, yeah. but, but essentially to what you were saying, Jenny and you Ben, with just the spatial aspect of it, you know, when, when you look at the scale of the build and, and there's value to building and cultivating a lifestyle for your client that, as you mentioned, when you have clients coming back, you know, a month later, a year later saying, I can't believe this is our, our home. And you're testing furniture, you're going to high point, you're going to, you know, you have a relationship with your furniture vendors and everything's so custom to the client. There is a sense of satisfaction, but not just that inspiration. I've seen, um, a good example was yesterday, Burdette cabinets who, you know, we both mm -hmm. use and you know them really well. It was really neat. We, we have a project with them and I met with the owners of our cabinet company and you know, we were at lunch and, um, you know, it can be very discouraging, you know, our industry. I'm sure both of you, you have those yeah. days where you're like, what am I doing? You know, because you just get, you, you feel like you're getting beat up nonstop from clients yeah. and vendors and partners and suppliers. And so you kind of just take a beating on a regular basis. And, uh, and and I know it was one of those weeks. And he said, you know, what, Brad, it was, it's, it's been a hard week and we've had, you know, some challenging things. And I went and walked a project that we're just finishing. He said, being in that home, seeing it furnished, the finishes in there, seeing the cabinetry, seeing the home done and the client's about to move in. He said, you know, I just, it was inspiring. I needed that. You know, it's nice to kind of see mm -hmm. that like the fruits of your labors. And for him, you know, he's in towards the end, but not at the end of the project and doesn't get to go back to every project. So he got to see it finished and he's like, you know, there's just a sense of enjoyment, not from a customer, but us. And I'm sure both of you can relate to that as well. Yeah, definitely. When you're, when we style a home and it's sort of the, the cherry on top, right? The furniture is in, everything's in, but without that final layer of styling where we have the books and we have like the floral arrangements and we have the things and we have that last finishing touch and you just like take a breath and you just say, okay, we did it. And it's, and it's finished and it's wonderful. And the homeowners walk in and we do the reveal 
and you sort of have that HGTV moment and everybody's, you know, sometimes they're crying and then that makes me cry because it is a journey. And like you said, when, you know, we have a house that we're working on right now and we've been working on it since 2020 and we're only just to framing. I mean, this will probably be a, <laughs> a four to five year project by the time it's finished. But um, and so when you do finalize that, it's it's the end of almost this era in your life when you're with somebody for five years and then you have that moment of realization of like, we did it, you know, we're here and we're, you're moving in, your beds are made, you're, you're, we've done everything we can for you. And, and here it is. It's just, it's total elation and on both sets of, you know, for, for us and for, for them. So let me ask you that because four to five years, uh, it's a really long relationship. We spoke about relationships a little bit earlier. And I know Ben talked about the mutual, you know, relationship between you and the customer and, you know, how important that is the respect there. Um, I've dealt with things and, and, and this is definitely enhanced for you because you mentioned even one piece of furniture can touch 30 hands. So you have commitment days from your vendors and all the time you're planning for something to come in, say November 10th and November 10th mm -hmm. comes and you get an email. Oh, it's coming January 15th. Like it's not even close within the same range. How are you dealing with that aspect? Cause it's happened to me on a material side, but even more for you on the furniture side. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, we, we will push it as long as we can till we feel like we have to order now. And so we'll be asking up to that point, like, are we still on track? Are we still on track? Are we still on track? And then what we tell the homeowner um, is, you know, every, if, if we pull the trigger for that November 15th deadline, and we've been told up to the point that we have to start ordering uh, that that's going to be the date. We tell the homeowner, this is going to sit in storage and you're going to accrue some pretty serious storage fees. And that sucks. That conversation really sucks. And sometimes like it's not the builder's fault either, right? You've, you're waiting on different materials to come in or you're waiting for something. And, and so it's sort of this I, and I need to be better at this. And I think Ben is, but I think after recent experiences, I'm getting better at let's have those hard conversations early and not when it's happening. Just that people pleaser in me, I have to like put her in a box, tie it up with a bow and set her aside. And just like Jenny, who the realist is, is your new designer. Do you know what I mean? Where uh, all of a sudden it's like, I'm just going to tell you all the horrible things that are going to happen. Things are going to come in broken. They're going to come in damaged. We're going to take care of it. Um, you might pay some pretty serious, you know, fees and for storage, but you know, I'm going to give them all the best. <laughs> I'm tired of being the people pleaser and then disappointing everybody. I can't do it anymore. This episode is brought to you by Pella windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella windows and they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they're not only amazing business partners behind us, but they're super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relations with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, 
They're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard, Brad, because I think you um, there's this fine balance between having everything ready for when the house is finished and moving it all in to having stuff way too early. Um, so, it, and especially in this world right now, I mean, it's, it's, it's even harder to time things appropriately, but we, I think we've been telling our clients now, it's like, if you have an expected move-in date, you know, and it's a year from that is when we really should be digging deep into the furnishings and even looking at ordering certain pieces that take, we know they're going to take eight to 10 months just because that's the life we live right now. But, um, we try to give as much heads up as we can, but at the end of the day, you're, you just have to make that balance. Like, do you want to move in with a full house of stuff or would you rather move in, you know, with half your stuff and have the other stuff trickle in over the next six months? So it's, it, it really is a fine balance. There's not, there's not really an easy answer, quite honestly. Um, so we just, we just try to communicate and forewarn the best we can and, and, uh, and then, and then hope for the best that timelines improve or, um, you know, that, that the construction timeline stays, you know, pretty close to what's expected. So based on your roles with the company, which one of you gets to handle the, the supplier and that challenging conversation for storage with the client? I try to put as much difficult conversations on business as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, we, we've had, I mean, only, I think this, we've had one experience that actually happened right, you know, sort of right in the middle of COVID, but, um, where, yeah. where there were pretty significant delays on the construction side. And, and otherwise I felt like we, we learned from that moment and, and we've done a better job of projecting what, what we still, I think what we still struggle with is probably more of the furniture timelines and the delays related to that versus like when's a build going to be finished, you know? Um, and part of that is, you know, some, some of the newer builds are harder to, to, project because you know it, it feels like there's uh, there's more um you know fluidity in terms of that particular schedule of completion but um the, some of the projects we've been in that have been more renovation it's, it feels like there's a little more control um and so we've been able to time that a little better but yeah uh jenny does back to that point jenny tries to have uh the tough conversations go through you but at the same time you know we we, we always converse about it because in some cases jenny has the better relationship with the client because she's yeah. interacting with them more and if if we feel that that's the right approach then it's like hey why don't you know you're the one they know and trust and they've had more experiences with and it's probably better coming from you than from me who they might get an email from here or there or they've met once so we try to just it's, it's really client by client based on kind of the relationship but um and you know like we we talked about referencing a, a kind of a tough conversation we had recently we we went together and sat right you know face to face with the clients and we felt that was the appropriate thing to do and not handle it via email or just a phone call it's sometimes face to face and together is the best way to do it yeah so i know I, and, oh go ahead oh, go ahead jenny no you're good no i was just gonna say i know sometimes it feels easier to i just want to handle this in an email and i always I'm just like, I want to send an email so bad right now, but you know, it's always better to pick up the phone or arrange to meet in person as hard as it is. Um, but it's, it always is better. And even though you just want to hit send, like do you done, I did what I had, I did the hard thing, you know, it's like, nah, you got it. This is a, this is a call or this is a in, in-person meeting. And so they're always more difficult, but y you want to treat them with respect and, and, 
I think showing that respect and knowing like this is very important to us. Let's let's sit down and, and talk about it. It's always an important move. Well, and I know that Ben has not been part of Black Ink from day one, right? I mean, this is right. something that's over the last five years or so. Um, how, how did that come to play? You know, Ben, it sounds like you had a career before. So what made the decision where you're like, hey, we're ready? Yeah, I think I, a, a couple of things probably happened. I, you know, I, I was working, I, I had been working for Mars. Most people would know it's like, you know, Snickers, M&M's, um, you know, company. Um, I've been with them for quite a while and uh, had kind of a remote type role. And and uh, and we, when Jane and I moved to Arizona, we were like, this is kind of where I want to stay. We'd been moving every couple of years, um, you know, for different job opportunities for me within the company. And I think when we got to Arizona, we recognized this is where we wanted to stay. Um, our kids were old enough now where they're both in school full time. And, and so Jenny's like, you know what, I'm going to uh, make a go of, of Black Ink Interiors. She started the company years before, but had just done, you know, smaller projects, friends, family, because we were, like I said, bouncing around uh, the country so much. So um, so she, it was probably 2016 timeframe where she kind of just went kind of full steam and really started uh, working the area hard and building relationships. And, um, and it was probably 2018 where I was kind of thinking about what's my next move going to be in my career. Um, and, and Jenny's business is blowing up and it just kind of like the timing was maybe a little quicker than we thought, but we just said, you know, maybe this is the right time. It's time for me to make a change. Um, and you know, you need, you clearly need some help because it, it was getting very overwhelming for her with the number of projects she was taking on. And I think at the time only had maybe one part-time or semi-part-time, you know, employee. Um, so it was like, it was, it was one of the hardest decisions we've ever made because in your yeah. mind, when we're sitting there and we're thinking, cause we talked about it for probably like six months, maybe even more. Um, and like in my mind, it's doomsday. It's what if this doesn't work? We're going to be homeless. We're going to be living on food stamps out of our car. <laughs> it was like, I literally was like, this could be the end of our lives. And then I was listening to podcasts one day and somebody was asked the question. It was like in whatever journey they were on. And it was, what is the worst thing that could happen? And I was like, oh, well, all these things. And then I was like, actually, the worst thing that could happen is he just goes and gets another job. He has an MBA. He's well qualified in all the things. And I just was like, that's the worst thing that could happen. And if that's the worst thing is that he just goes and gets another job, like, let's do this. So it was a lot of late nights and sleepless nights and all the things for months and months and months. And then just to have that realization of like, oh, he just gets another job. And so it was very easy after that to be like, let's do this. So do you attribute just the podcast to change that mindset or I mean, or, or literally, know? yeah, that one thing, just what is the worst thing that could happen? Because in my mind, they were horrible, horrible things that would happen to us. And then it just turns out he would just go get another job. It was like so weird that that's what it took. You know what I mean? But just that just rethinking your brain in one way. And that was it. It was like, all right, let's do it. Well, in fairness, I would say in defense, I think many business owners struggle. When do I hire? Right. And then you hire and there, there's a whole different set of responsibilities when you hire someone, when you hire employees. I know for me personally, you know, I think I'm at 23 now and I wow. look at my 23 employees and I'm like, okay, they have families, they have, uh, their lives, they have kids, you know, like, you find uh, a lot of stress in a way because you're like, can I create a career for them? And you think about it for you bringing your spouse in. Well, now it's like, okay, we're doubling down on the household. <laughs> so it takes that stress to another level. So in fairness, I think yeah. it's totally valid. 
I'm telling you, I did not know. I haven't ever had to be the breadwinner. Um, I've worked, but never the breadwinner. And then when that stress is real, like it's real, real. Like I feel bad. I mean, I, I don't want to say all men are the breadwinners, but probably primarily in this country. But um, I didn't know. I had no idea that level of stress of providing for your family and providing for your employees' families and just it's bananas, really. And so it's been we're blessed that we've had the growth that we've had and and we've been able to you know keep every all the mouths fed and put a little money aside for our kids college education but i mean it's it is uh it's a hard decision to make and it's one i'm glad that we did make um but it still is very stressful that that doesn't go away well, I, I think what's interesting is ben ben made this comment he talked about jenny you getting into town and really going for it I, I want to ask you some secrets to success. And the reason I say that, just some credit to you, is I remember when you came in, it's like coming by storm, the Black Inks and Phoenix and Scottsdale. <laughs> like, I, I mean, networking events and reaching yeah. out, DMing on Instagram. You know, you came in and yeah. met with our team. Um, yeah. Fairness to you, like I met Luann Nagara because of you. You know, you, you built a great relationship with her. And now I'm doing a lot of stuff with her, but on her podcast, you know, and for those listening, Luann's a, a huge probably, I don't know, probably the biggest podcast in the interior design yeah. world. I mean, she has mm-hmm. a huge, huge following from New Jersey. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is, is the power of networking and what you built yeah. so fast. Uh, a lot of people struggle. Should I start my company? And of course there's, you know, you have to just go for it, like you're mentioning here, but strategies you had just to build such a following and network so fast with so many architects, designers, because you have a design community I know you network with and some friends yeah, you yeah, regularly yeah. converse with to share, yeah. you know, pricing and stuff like that. And yeah. then the builders as well. Yeah. It, it was one of those things, like if I'm going to make this work, I'm going to, I'm going to really try to make this work. And when we moved here, we didn't have any friends here. We had no family here. There was nobody to sort of like sit back and be like, oh, well, you know, my grandma's going to introduce me to somebody and they'll work on their house. It was like, I know no one. And I just got on Google and started researching luxury home builders. And I just made a list of who I wanted to reach out to, looked at architects. I called around a joined ASID and then phone calls to like Sub-Zero Wolf, like put me on your party, like party list, <laughs> you know, and just, I would go meet with builders, meet with architects, Um, totally cold call or just drop in with some cupcakes or something silly, but just to kind of get some brand recognition. So if I called again, they're like, oh, she's the one that brought the cupcakes. Yeah, I'll take that call. You know, silly as it is, um, but really the networking and, and going to events and putting yourself out there. I know it's hard for some people and it's not like comfortable for me to go up and just start introducing myself to people. But I would have a goal of like, tonight we're going to give out five business cards or tonight we're going to do four business cards, whatever my goal was for the night. And I was not allowed to leave until that was done. And then just over time, people start seeing you or knowing you. I would even go into um, facings, Craftsman Court, some of our furniture um, showrooms and introduce myself and say, I'm new to the community. I'm not going to bring you any business today, but I just wanted to introduce myself and um know that the business is going to come. It just might take a little time, but I wanted to introduce myself. And so really kind of embedding myself into the community. And it's it's been awesome. And I know you know we did a, a vignette at the Sub-Zero Wolf showroom and that really, literally everything that came just came from me calling and saying, put me on your party list. I want, I want to be invited. And then just really taking advantage of the people that were there and the opportunities to meet new people. Yeah. 
There's something I think to put in context for those listening to. Um, you, you said something that most of us probably haven't thought about. You know, you not only did you Google and you reach out and you went through social media, but you went into suppliers and vendors, which a lot of people may not have thought of from a building design mm-hmm. or architecture standpoint. You go to Sub-Zero Wolf. Hey, I want to be to the network events. I want to come to the party. So Sub-Zero Wolf has a really nice showroom here by my office in Scottsdale. Amazing place. And they reached out to... I don't know how many designers there were, Jenny, maybe 10. I don't know. But yeah, that's about there, right. There was a, yeah, it was, it was a small amount. And they said, okay, in our showroom, we're going to have it formatted to these vignettes. And so you were one of 10, and we have a ton of talent. I mean, Phoenix is a huge city. Um, there's a, t- you know, a ton. And so it just goes to show you that quickly you have your own space in the Sub-Zero Wolf sh- showroom. Yeah. And again, that's from the networking you know, that you brought in. And now you have a staple on your sign there in their showroom to everyone that comes through. Yeah. Yeah, it, and I, I think the design community in Phoenix, and maybe you feel the same way with builders. Like, I think we have an amazing group of designers, and I feel like, for the most part, we're open to sharing, and we have great vendors like Sub Zero Wolf, like Ferguson's. You know, all these people that we have the opportunity to work with. I think we have a really great network of people who truly want to help each other out, who want to help and see each other grow. And I love that about our communities. When I've talked to other designers in other places, they say, oh, nobody will share information or nobody wants to help us grow. And it's like a rising tide raises all ships. Like you just have to want good for you and for your whole community as a whole, as the design community to just everybody is raised when everybody's willing to share and open up and I do love that about where we live. It's it's wonderful. How, how have you found that, though? Because I know probably some of that has to do with your openness and, you know, the strategy behind it and uh, personality management. I'm sure a lot of that plays into it. But how did you start building those networks where you get to a point with other designers to say, how are you running your business? What are you charging? Because for you, again, you're hitting it hard trying to figure out what should I be charging? Yeah. What should my design book look like? I know yeah. you've asked me that before yep. and all that. Yep, yep. Yeah. And thank you for that, because, you know, I always want to improve. And I think that's why um, getting together with other designers. So the designers in my probably closest, I have a lot of awesome designers um, in the Valley, but Brittany and Lexi, who are all here in Gilbert, and somebody might say, you have three designers who are all in Gilbert, all fighting for the same people. Why in the world would you be sharing? We share our contracts with each other. We share what we charge. We share everything with each other. But it's like I said, if if one of us is growing and improving, then the rest of us are too. If we all have about the same rate that we're all charging, one of us doesn't look way higher or way lower, right? We're all going to benefit from that. I know that we also, if we don't have jobs that we can take on at that time, I'll reach out to them and say like, hey, there's a project. I can't take it right now. Would you guys be interested? And And I think there's opportunity in finding people that you can that are willing to be open with you so that you can improve on each other's businesses and it just i think you'll know when you meet somebody if they're going to be open or in how your conversation evolves where it's like hey would you like to go out to dinner sometime and just sit and talk shop and that's kind of what happened with lexi and Brittany. it was just sort of like very casual it wasn't like let's sit down and have dinner and share each other's contracts. Like that comes later. But like when you first get in there and just say, Hey, like, let's just sit down and talk shop for a little bit. And then if things evolve and get to that point, it's awesome. And I, and I truly have loved and appreciated having them um, 
for me, uh, and I know they probably feel the same way as almost somebody that is also support. If one of us is having a really crappy experience, we're there for each other and, and hey, what can we do next time to prevent this from happening to you or to me? What do we need to do to change our contract or what we, how we present to the client in the beginning? What, how can we prevent this from happening? So it's, we really lean on each other too. So there's definitely a mentality of abundance as scarcity. And I think that, you know, any successful entrepreneur will attribute that, right? That there's a sense of confidence mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's just, they're not looking at this small little playground. They're looking like a lot of opportunity. And again, you want to compete against competitive people. You want to compete against someone that's run their business correctly and doing it right. And it just, it, it makes it better for the industry, for you and everybody, especially as you're presenting the clients. As your company's grown for you and Ben, looking at where you're at today, you know, systems, procedures. I would imagine that there's been a lot of time, especially with Ben's background and you living this day to day, Jenny. How has that changed from an operational standpoint? You know, if I were to hire you today as opposed to five years ago, how does that look like for me as a customer? Yeah, I'll let Ben Ben answer this, but I will say this. We change our contract after every single client because there's always something that we learn or something new that came up and and literally every project we change our contract it's a very fluid document that it's like probably one of the tabs that's constantly open on our browser so that it's like (laughs) oh we're changing that for the next client but ben you can talk about the uh policies and kind of the procedures and how we run things yeah i mean i i I think it's there's a couple things when you talk about um jenny mentioned sort of the investment in relationships. There's also investment in um, just in the business in general. So one of the things that we've never been afraid of um, is to to hire consultants or business coaches or, um, you know, and spend a lot of time listening to podcasts and, and, and sort of within that community too, asking questions. And so kind of through all that process, you kind of learn where you have gaps in your processes and procedures. And so where, you know, where we really were hitting hard or Jenny started in 2016, I mean, uh, very limited in terms of any structure. And then, you know, every year that goes by, it seems like we have, whether it's a new, uh, a new process we implement or a new system that we use to help us organize and manage our activities, you know, from a project management standpoint, we, we're constantly looking and striving and trying to uh, improve. And so um, we have, you know, again, where we started without like even written sort of policies and procedures, we now have, you know, all our our policies and procedures written and like every business we could probably spend some time going back and reviewing and revamping and updating those but at least we have some general ways of working and so that our team members anytime we bring anybody on we can point to training materials or a video here's how you know here's how we enter items into our you know design and procurement software um, so that we make sure we have every detail needed to be able to you know present to a client and then turn that into a purchase order order that from our vendor and to make sure that's a seamless process and as efficient as possible. So without speaking to every program system we use, you know, we have added elements here and there to help us be more efficient and to to just do a better job of keeping track of the things we're doing uh, so that we can communicate with clients more clearly and that we can communicate with each other. Um, Simple things like we have a uh, we used to have a once a week meeting where it was sort of like a project meeting. We'd go through every project and then we realized, you know what, we, we probably need to have that more frequent. So we implemented a daily call where even if it's only 15 minutes, 
you know, we kind of hit the highlight items. What do we got to, what are the priorities for the day? What do we got to tackle? Um, so it's just constant communication because we have, um, you know, we're not all working from the same location. So it keeps us in touch. So just basic things like that, communication, having some expectations set, places that people can find training um, uh, and the right systems really have, um, you know, kind of taken our ability to, to grow and expand and take on as we take on more and more work to be able to handle that efficiently. I love that you shared how um, after every project you're updating your system because I we're totally the same. I After every project, there's things that have gone wrong or um, even if they didn't go wrong, maybe things were like, oh, we could have done that better. You know, we can improve mm -hmm. that. We can improve that communication, that expectation. We can improve that system and scheduling um, and even from, you know, accounting to field operations to whatever it may be and even I know, I know we've spent a lot of time just internally. Like, do we have, we have the right people on the bus? Are they in the right seat? Right. Mm -hmm. Do I need to change their role, their title, what their scope of work is, you know, updating organizational charts. It's amazing how often we're doing that now, which first few years of the company, we didn't, but now, you know, that is a huge uh, part of what we're doing. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's harder as you probably know, Brad, you guys are in the same boat and we, the more you take on, right. The busier you get. And then sometimes it's easy to forget, to go back and make those adjustments and, and to, and to spend time investing in the business again, because you're, you're so focused on your clients. I mean, obviously clients take the priority, but it's a challenge, I think. And so I'd be curious, like, how do you guys um, make sure you make the time, you know, at AFT to, to make sure that you're, you're working on the business, um, you know, as well as taking care of your clients? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that was something I really struggled with because, you know, you always hear from all these business uh, coaches or, you know, any information you download, they're like, oh, you should be spending, you know, at least 10 to 20 percent of your time on the business at least or, you know, um, focusing on outside of the business. Right. And then, you know, um, 80 percent in the day to day or whatever. Right. That tends to take so much of our time. But what we've done is I. I I put together like a leadership council, leadership team. So I have some key people in my organization that are essentially um, in, in those positions and they're over different departments. You know, you have to look at for us, we're looking at accounting, you know, ARAP, we're looking at, um, you know, contracts and vetting subs and our pre-con, you know, which is part of our pre-con estimating. And then we have our field operations. So you kind of have these different department heads. And so we meet every two weeks. Um, typically for about two hours and we're going through, we have an agenda, you know, a formal printout and I'm not a meeting guy just to have meetings. Like I don't want to just have a meeting, have a meeting. Like anyone that knows me, I'm like really punctual about like, we're doing this, 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 and that. like you just don't have a lot of time to be just chit chatting. So we're, we're really formulated as far as what we're going through. And then what happens from those meetings now we can take, cause each of their employees in those departments are giving them ideas and thoughts and ideas, you know, to, to strengthen our process. And so now we take that and we implement them. So then our production meeting we have, we actually implement those and train and teach. And that's the thing it's train and train and train. So we implement and we make those changes and we train and train. And then, uh, essentially it's been successful, you know, the last four or five months, and this is new, this is this year, 2023, we're doing this, but I wish I'd have done it sooner because there's just so much information from my team that you're getting in a more organized environment that you can now reciprocate and then, you know, put into your, into your company. Yeah. yeah. What about That's you guys? Awesome. I, know, I love yeah. that you, I love you have a leadership team. That sounds very bougie. I love that for you. <laughs> <Very bougie. laughs> 
Yes, it is. No, but it's so important because I, I, and I will say this, we will sometimes get lost in the day-to-day work, right? You can, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to just sit and do your emails and whatever is on your to-do list, it's always client first because you've got the deadlines or the builder needs something. and, And so sometimes you get on that hamster wheel and you don't take the time to say, just a minute, I need to think big picture because if I take the time now to do the big picture things, my business is going to be better in the long run um, versus me being on this hamster wheel. And that's why to Ben's point, we have hired a, you know, a business coach and we've hired um, other people to help us in our business to be, um, to stop and think about the business. Because if, if you get stuck in the day to day of just running um, and just doing your your task list, your business isn't going to be able to grow to its full potential because you aren't taking the time that your business needs to be able to, you know, keep up with your growth and and to evolve. So good good for you for your leadership team. I've got Ben. Ben's my leadership team. Ben, you've just been appointed. <laughs> well, well, I mean, Brad, I know one of the things we didn't probably touch on is we made it, at some point in time we made a it's been a few years back, but just a constant decision like we, we kind of at some point we were kind of like, Hey, we're growing, growing, we're hiring. We kind of have this empire we're building. And then I think it got to a point, it was probably during COVID where there's a sort of recognition, I think pretending like, Hey, is that really what I want for my life? And is that what we want um, to just get to, to continue to expand and grow? Or or would we rather stay pretty small and lean and be more selective in the projects we take on versus feeling that the pressure to take everything on because we have to support this this ever growing team right so it's it's a dilemma probably every entrepreneur faces at some point it's like you know what what does the future look like for them and we we made the choice to just stay small lean um you know be more selective in our our projects take bigger projects fewer of them um, allowing us to invest our energy really into into clients and relationships um into the projects that we mentioned earlier that bring joy and, and really allow jenny's personality and style to come out so it's been interesting because i think in doing that you also feel like um maybe everybody's wearing a lot of hats and it's harder to delineate roles and responsibilities in some cases because it's everybody's pitching in uh, to do what they can to keep projects moving forward so it's it's clearly you know this conversation is good for me to just recognize like even even in that state uh we're in kind of the lean mean machine we, we have to we have to invest back into the business and, and take time analyzing, um, you know, projects and so forth. And, and uh, you know, whether it's Jenny and I as a leadership team, whatever that looks like, you know, certainly opportunities for us there. Yeah. yeah and the leaders. Okay. Go ahead, Jenny. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, first and foremost, I'm a mom. And when I had this idea of, building this empire and having this big team and having my office. And I, I loved it while I had it. And then COVID just put the brakes on. And I realized my relationships with my daughters uh, were suffering. We commuted and you had the same, you still have the same commute that I had of what, sometimes 50 oh, minutes to an hour each yeah, way. It's terrible. And I, I was missing recitals. I was missing school assemblies. I was missing, you know, you know, whatever practice, like I had lost touch with my main priority, which is being a mom. And so I, we made the decision during COVID when I realized I don't need to have what I thought I needed. And maybe it was an ego thing of like, I want to have this beautiful office and I want to have, I want to show people that I am an, an interior designer. And for some, some reason I felt like I needed that to validate myself. And I just realized 
I have very few years left with my girls. They're now 13 and 15. I'm like, I have very few years left with them to have that relationship that I want. I don't want to be that mom that was gone and gone before they woke up or shortly after and then didn't get home till 6, 630 for dinner. And then I was too exhausted to be, you know, of any use to anybody. Right. And I just thought, let's just bring the business home. Um, we have employees, we have a, a little studio in our, our backyard where our employees come and then some are virtual. But for me, it was just the right decision. And I think there, may, you know, maybe there's somebody out there listening who, who needs to hear that, that, you know, you don't have to have an empire. You don't have to have a space, like do what works for you and for your family. I love that you shared that. So maybe break that down when you success means so many different things. What does it mean to you and Ben? I think I've learned over time. If you were to have asked me that five years ago, it always would have been a number. There would have been what was my annual goal that year. And that was the most important thing to me. And I've learned over the years that a lot of it, yes, obviously I want to be able to provide and have a nice living, but there's also an element of what is my quality of life. And I think in our business where we can get on that hamster wheel and run and want more and you're trying to go for this goal that might be achievable, might not be achievable, but we're going for something and then you stop and you look and you like, what, what, is, what am I sacrificing on the personal side that um, in order to try to make this goal that may or may not actually be that important, it's a number that I put on a piece of paper in January 1 you know, of the, that year. Um, and so just really taking a look at what are the, costs to my personal life, to my personal health. Um, I feel like I have been on a health journey the last few years with just um, not, I think you don't take care of yourself sometimes. You get so busy, you focused on deadlines or a goal that you put your own self on the back burner. And I'm learning that I just can't do that anymore. And so um, having the smaller team, working from home, having my relationships improve with my daughters has been just amazing for me. And, and what yeah. about for you, Ben? Yeah, I, I think what I what I think of it as uh, there's uh, again a principle that have has been a part of sort of my professional life, but it's freedom, right? That it's um, so when I think of success is have we achieved the freedom to um, you know in our schedules um, financially so that we can do the things that we want to do in our in our lives right but, but that and that's both professionally and and personally so the the freedom to choose what clients to work with right the choose the freedom to choose how many clients i want the freedom to choose my schedule uh when i'm going to take time off where i'm going to go spend time with family and so forth so i so to me i think of freedom as the ultimate success right that that the the ability for us to control our lives and not for external factors to control. How about you, Brad? I'm curious, what what does success look like to Brad Levitt? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, th I think there's there's a lot to that, but I think most importantly is time um, and freedom. Really, what you're both speaking about, you know, I mean, you mentioned Jenny the importance of as you think about the community, and, you know, spending time with your daughters and where they're at at the stage, and then you know, Ben talking about freedom. I, I think that's to me, success, it's funny because as a kid or social media or, you know, so many things around us define success as so many different things. But mm -hmm. I found at my age now, success for me is freedom, is time, is opportunity to go on vacation with my family, have time with them, 
look, we work hard and even I'm on vacation, I'm working, but you know, it's, it's being sensitive to the time that I have with them. And, um, you know, part of that, I think, I think success is legacy, right? I, I look, um, you know, I hope that when my time's done, I hope there's, there's value I've given to my team, to my employees, to their careers, you know, taught them something. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty open about sharing anything I have on any platform. And I think that, you know, the freedom and, and the legacy are, are really important to success. I don't, I, to me, money's never been a driver for me. Just never is. I didn't grow up. Um, you know, I grew up with a dad that was a union electrician and a mom that was at home. And so didn't have much as a kid. It's just never been, you know, a huge driver for me. But, um, but yeah, I think that's the easy answer. I think we're very similar yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, I guess to be sensitive to your time, cause I know we're, we're just about out of time here. Um, so what keeps you both up at night? <laughs> furniture <laughs> furniture <laughs> freaking furniture every night oh 3 a.m yeah i mean i'd say like uh, and jenny mentioned her health like you know this and, and i think any entrepreneur feels this at certain times in their lives right like it, there can be a lot of stress because you you do feel right like your family's sort of livelihood was on your shoulders right and and also the the livelihoods of those you employ um, and then also you, you just, so I, I guess there's, there's that element of like, of, okay, how are we doing? Do we, you know, financially and, and, but, but it's also, are we, are we doing right by our clients? So that's what keeps me up. I think when, when I feel like something hasn't gone up to expectation, or maybe we haven't delivered in the way that we delivered it, it eats you up inside, you know I mean? And yeah. I think it should really, I mean, ultimately, you know, our job and our responsibility, you know, outside of ourselves and our families is to our clients who are paying us, right? They're, they're ultimately the ones paying our paychecks, if you think of it that way. So um, when things aren't going right with a client, that keeps me up because it just, yeah. it, it kind of, uh, you know, it's, it kind of eats at you and, and, it, and it wears on you a little bit. But uh, even probably the, the connection to that is the impact it has on Jenny. So like I sit there and I watch her, you know, the, the stress and right, like, she puts a lot of time and love into what she does. And so when there's a difficult situation with a client, right, I see it wearing on her and, and that, that bothers me, right, as her husband um, and as her, like her business partner. So, um, so those are probably two things. It's the client stuff and then, and then you know, seeing the impact it has on, on Jenny. Those are the things that keep me up. Wow. That's a very depressing note to leave this podcast on. <laughs> it's, it's not depressing. No, that's not depressing. I mean, the reality is a lot of us can relate to that. And I think just if I, if I can share one thing, because you asked when I speak legacy, I think the easiest way to define that, um, if I can use it. So there was a mentor of mine, Doug Steinle, when I was a young teenager, and he said, Every, everything should be better because you were there. Right. And so mm. what that means, and, and that's something I try to live by, but I guess the easy example is right after he said that, I, I heard him give that, you know, such a little conference and he was teaching about that. We go into the bathroom, you know, there's a break and um, we're in a public bathroom. So, you know, people are washing their hands and, uh, you know, water spills on the sink and he grabs some paper towels and he just starts cleaning the sink. Right. And wiping things down. There's like a napkin on the floor that he picked up and threw away. And so, in his whole life, that's how he lived. And I think all of us, you know, just, just is black ink better because you were there is your customer better. Cause you, they hired you is yeah. my team better because I, you know, they work for me. And so I think of everyone in our society applied just that logic, like we'd be a lot better, but again, a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. for those listening, where can they find you? 
Um, they can find us on social media on Instagram at at black dot ink dot interiors. Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's pretty much our platform that we choose. We're we're not on all of them. So black dot ink dot interiors on Instagram. You can find us, DM us, whatever. Yeah, and uh, web you know website blackinkinteriors.com, oh, yeah. pretty straightforward. Yeah. So um Easy, and it's ink with a K, not C. Yeah, that's afterwards. a good clarification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Black ink. <laughs> like a pen. Yeah. Well, Jenny, Ben, you've both been amazing. I know this is long overdue. So thanks for making time and, uh, thanks, and, and sharing your insight with our audience. Thank you thanks so for much for having us. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.